As long as I've, uh, I can remember, Australian foreign policy was pretty much America's, they say jump, and we obediently ask how high. As you may know, an investigation by Four Corners has revealed the US is preparing to deploy up to six nuclear-capable B-52s to northern Australia. And Bernard Keane, political editor from Crikey, is here to tell us what the hell is going on. Is it another case of uh, jump and how high, Bernard? I think it's very hard to see it in any, any, any other terms, Philip. I mean, this is a, a significant step forward in terms of the deployment of US military assets here in Australia. Yes, I mean, B-52 aircraft operate from Australia during training exercises. They, they don't carry nuclear weapons when they do that. This is going to be an altogether more permanent uh, feature, and very clearly it's aimed at having a capacity to deliver a long-range uh, uh, strike at China and Chinese assets. So it's, um, it's uh, I guess it's, a, it's another step forward from the one that the Gillard government took when uh, Marines were permanently, or at least the arrangements to permanently rotate them through Darwin were established way back. Surely uh, there'll, there'll be blowback from within the uh, the Labor government. Well, that's that's uh, that's uh, I'm, I'm just having visions of being back in the 1980s when Bob Hawke could be could be chastised by the left of his party for uh, for collaborating too closely with the Reagan uh, administration. It's hard to see where that's going to come from these days, Philip. Um, the, I mean, the interesting thing for me is that these decisions are all made without any kind of debate, well, either debate within the the, uh, the ALP or debate within the Parliament, um, and that's a, that's a, that's a recurring pattern with with Australia's major defence and security decisions. We've got a very um, undeveloped culture when it comes to actually discussing these sorts of things and whether they're actually in our national interest rather than sounds like a good idea to someone in the Defence Department. Well, Carolyn Kennedy's obviously on the money when she talks about uh, Australia being uh, the US's uh, most reliable partner. Well, it's it's it's. I'm trying to think of a word for a partner who never says no, who always agrees to do exactly uh, whatever they're asked. I mean, that seems to be uh, the working definition of our relationship with China and it's uh, with China with uh, with the United States. And it doesn't seem to matter uh, whether there's a change of government. We saw during the 2000s the Howard government in lockstep with. Um, uh, with, uh, with the Bush administration. There was a period there under Simon Crean when Labor did uh, depart from reflexive support for the United States and reflexive cooperation with the United States, but um, uh, that proved to be relatively brief. And we're back to the situation where we discover that um, we're making quite significant decisions about uh, that would affect our strategic future um, without any sort of discussion. A couple of other topics I want to raise with you. Does our government, our new government, have the energy to take action on energy prices? Well, I've been, you know, I've been writing about the the the, the, the failure to tax energy, particularly fossil fuel um, uh, exports, now for quite some time. And I pointed out in the budget last week that um, that our uh, the, the revenue from our petroleum rent resource tax, which is the administration that covers. The tax arrangements, not just for petroleum, uh, i.e., oil, but gas as well, was actually forecast to fall 
below the levels that were predicted last April um, when the Morrison government had its budget. And this is seems quite absurd given what's happening with um, uh, with uh, gas prices, gas export prices at the moment. Um, our large gas exporters are making tens of billions of dollars at the moment given um, the situation with Ukraine and the, the global spike in energy prices. The prices aren't quite as high as they were. Europe is, uh, is, looks like it's going into winter with a, you know, in a better position uh, than we, when was feared back in summer. But otherwise, you know, we are making – we, I say we, I mean these companies are making huge amounts. And the PRRT regime, Petroleum Resource Tax Regime, is quite manifestly not fit for purpose. It's not providing any sort of decent revenue for Australia. And if there were changes to it, it uh, they wouldn't kick in until 2024, 25. Well, that's it. I mean, it's very hard to see um, any any sort of significant action being taken in relation to what's happening at the moment. What action is actually underway is underway because Josh Feinerberg um, asked for some further work to be done on the PRRT. So the only changes that have actually been made to the PRRT regime since the mining tax debacle in the Rudd years uh, were initiated by uh, by the Morrison government. There have been fairly piddling changes, I've got to say. They certainly haven't addressed the, the fundamentally broken nature of the PRRT. And I suspect Labor, there's very little enthusiasm within Labor for changing uh, the way in which we tax uh, our extractive uh, industries because of what happened to Kevin Rudd um, uh, back in the day. Bernard, we've only got moments left, but uh, the government is trying to push to that industrial relations bill through much more quickly. It is. It's, it's a strange contrast to the PRRT, um, where uh, reluctance and, um, you know, Slow, you know, slow policy making is the order of the day. When it comes to industrial relations, the government is gung ho, gung ho to try and shift more power to trade unions and workers in the bargaining process, which you know, I've got to say I think is a is a good thing given our long period of wage stagnation. But um, is the Senate going to cop it? Is the question they need not merely the Greens, but at least one other vote there, and that's where the that's where the rub lies, I think, for well, Labor's plans. The Teals, of course, are famously progressive on climate change, but some of them are quite conservative on IR, aren't they? Well, if you listen to someone like Allegra Spender, um, you know, I don't know who said it uh, last year at some point, but someone made the observation that most Teals would actually belong quite happily in a relatively moderate pro-business Liberal Party. And that exactly describes someone like Allegra Spender and a couple of other Teals as well. So I think on on issues like industrial relations, um, any voters thinking that these are automatically progressive independents might might be disillusioned. Now, Peter Dutton has described the the proposition or the... uh, the bill is ticking off on the shopping list for the union movement. What does it cover? Well, the, 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 the really important part is the means to allow multi-workplace bargaining or sectoral bargaining. Now, um, the, that for me is the most significant change in industrial relations since work choices, but it's in the quite quite an opposite direction to work choices. It will allow workers, it will allow unions to try and negotiate deals across multiple workplaces rather than the enterprise-based system that we've had since the Keating years. 
And that restores, uh, I think, a lot of power to unions to actually um, try and bargain much more effectively than they can under the current, much more individualistic system. And will they not have the right to strike? Well, that's the, the, now, that's a really interesting question, Philip, because currently Australian workers do not really have a right to strike. The right to strike is carefully um, and rigidly restricted to uh, particular circumstances. Um, I suspect we're going to see a lot more uh, strike action undertaken if this bill goes forward because workers are going to have a lot more bargaining power. Um, and I've got to say, I think that's actually a good thing because um, pay rises are not going to be handed to workers out of the goodness of the hearts of business people. They're going to have to be fought for and won in the industrial relations system. I understand that there will be changes to the, quote, better off overall test. Yes, that's the other key change, I think. The, 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 current, the, the system that's developed in relation to boot and the way that it's been interpreted by the Fair Work Commission really has come, become so laborious and so restrictive that even unions say, look, this is a big impediment to getting work done. They sit down, they negotiate deals with employers, it goes off to the Fair Work Commission, and the Fair Work Commission says, look, hang on, we found someone here who might be disadvantaged by this. Uh, we're going to throw the whole process out and you can start again. That, uh, that has a pretty universal support across the divide when it comes to industrial relations. Just try and speed up the whole process of making bargaining agreements, which have become very slow and really contributed to the fact that bargaining, uh, that uh, enterprise bargains are now forming a, a very low proportion of, um, of what's happening in our industrial relations system. So a lot of enthusiasm for that reform. Uh, Bernard, the bill will, I understand, I understand it, make it easier to recover unpaid wages. Yes. Now, this is, a, this is another vexatious point in our industrial relations system. As has become clear over about, I don't know, the last five years, probably since that big Four Corners expose of 7-Eleven um, um, all those years ago, it's become clear that um, what unions call wage theft, um, what uh, businesses call um, mistakes in underpayment of wages is actually a fundamental part of the business model of a large proportion of Australian business. Um, uh, the, the list of companies that have actually engaged in uh, wage underpayment for various reasons, they claim, is extraordinarily long and features most of our most prominent corporations, uh, not to mention the likes of the ABC and universities as well, and the previous government was actually committed to making life a little bit easier when it came to came to uh, workers being able to get uh, wage un, uh, unclaimed wages and to toughen up the rules around uh, wage underpayment, and then ended up ditching them. But again, we're going to see some progress on that in the favour of workers. And uh, we wind up with the pleasant thought that inflation's hit uh, 7.3%, so the RBA will uh, raise interest rates again this week. And uh, the polls aren't looking so great for Labor, down to 45%. I've been talking to Bernard Keane, political editor, Crikey. 
G'day potties, if you can't get enough of Canberra politics and you're missing Fran Kelly, head to The Party Room, the podcast where Fran and RN Bricky presenter Patricia Cavallis unpick the week in politics. You'll find it on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.